When he was born, about 1342 BC, Tutankhaten's life wasn't his own. That's what happens when you're a public figure. Ask the Queen of England, or any of her relations who show up in the tabloids from time to time. But the boy who would become known to us as Tutankhamun, the boy king, would be especially noteworthy because even in death, his story isn't his own. Rather, it's a blank canvas over which archaeologists, politicians, and pundits write their own interpretations, only to erase them and start all over as the cultural zeitgeist changes. I'm Tracy S. Morris, and I am not making this up. Baby Tutankhaten's father was Akhenaten, a religious reformer. He believed in one god and one god only, the Aten, a solar god. To this end, he cast aside the old gods, Osiris, Isis, Set, Anubis. He even named the boy in line with his religion. Tutankhaten means living image of Aten. Baby Tut may not have gotten to know his father. He took the throne when he was nine years old, and there are four years in there between Akhenaten's reign and King Tut's. Records of that time are scant, and later rulers tried to wipe out all memory of that one God-worshipping crazy king, and in fact, anybody who ruled around that time. So what we know is half conjecture, based on a few surviving artifacts and some DNA evidence. King Tut may not have had any brothers. His mother may not have been Akhenaten's sister-wife, Nefertiti, but instead another unnamed sister-wife. He had plenty. (laughs) We know that one of Tut's older sisters nursed him and may have had a hand in raising him. Another sister became Tut's wife and may have been wife to Akhenaten first. In addition to sister wives, he also was fond of taking daughter wives. Royalty were thought to be living gods back then, so marrying your siblings and daughters and mothers kept the bloodlines pure. What they didn't realize back then was that incest led to the health problems and genetic disorders for which King Tut could have been a poster boy, right up there alongside the Habsburgs. King Tut had a club foot and dead bone tissue thanks to a bone disorder. He couldn't walk without a cane. There were over 130 of them with his remains in his tomb. And counter to the famous appearance of that gold funeral mask he was found with, he had buck teeth and may have also had scoliosis and a cleft palate. The genetic lotto wasn't kind to his dynastic aspirations either. Two attempts at fathering an heir led to two stillborn daughters. They were also found in the tomb with King Tut. Tut became king at nine years old, as I mentioned, which is why we call him the Boy King. And between his father's rule and his, there were two named pharaohs with blank and you'll miss them reigns. One may have been his father's wife, Nefertiti, under a different name, or may have been an older brother if he had any older brothers. The other one may have been an uncle, or possibly, again, a brother. We just don't know. But if there was any love or closeness between father and son, there was none between son and the sun god. The boy king and his advisors spent most of his short reign atoning for the heresy of Akhenaten. Tutankhaten became Tutankhamun. He built monuments and tore down his father's work. He reestablished diplomatic ties and fought wars, or 
actually probably had people fight wars on his behalf. With the club foot and the scoliosis, he probably didn't see much action himself. And then suddenly he died. His chief advisor, who was possibly a grandfather uncle, snatched up his wife in his throne. His body was shoved into a tiny tomb that might have been built for another person, possibly Nefertiti. Uh, we don't know where her body is. Golden jewels were heaped in there with him to take him to the afterlife. Some estimates speak that possibly 80% of those golden jewels also belong to Nefertiti, including the famous mask. And then he was forgotten. The ancient Egyptians believed in the power of names. This was why they destroyed the heretical Akhenaten's work. To forget someone's name was to destroy part of his soul. As long as a person's name was spoken, part of them lived on. But in an ironic twist, King Tut's being forgotten by his own people meant that they did not know to loot his tomb, and it remained mostly whole and nearly unlooted for over 3,000 years. And when Howard Carter opened it in 1923, the boy, boy king became the unofficial mascot for everything ancient Egyptian. Everyone knows his name. That's immortality far beyond what the ancient Egyptians could have conceived of. But since then, theories about King Tut say more about us than about him. In the early days of the discovery, all those walking canes in his tomb were signs of power, not walking aids. The chariots in his tomb weren't symbolic. Instead, they were evidence that the young king was full of vitality. After all, he was a teenager. He must have liked to drive chariots the way kids these days like to ride their hot rod jalopies around. The drawings of the king shooting a bow from a chair were a sign that he liked to hunt so much, not that he needed to sit all the time. As time wore on, King Tut remained a political football. In the 1970s, Nixon pressed for a tour of King Tut artifacts to prop up his flagging presidency. The tour that came to the United States touched off an inevitable third wave of Tut mania in the country and gave us Steve Martin's masterpiece song, King Tut, which celebrated the commercial aspect of the Tut mania. Now, in more modern times, prior to this current civil unrest in Egypt, King Tut underwent a series of DNA and CT scans. Possibly this was also political. The person in charge of Egyptian antiqui antiquities at that time was not above a little grandstanding. The King Tut that emerged from those studies was less of a titan, more like a cast member of a reality TV show, a sickly product of generations of incest. And since the discovery of his body, one of the biggest questions Egyptologists have had is, how did he die? After all, 19 isn't very old, even by ancient standards. Theories talk about how King Tut died, and they've been wildly inventive. He might have been murdered by a blow to the head, or fallen off a chariot, or had a hunting accident, or been attacked by a rogue hippo. He may have been specially mummified to look like Osiris to further downplay the Aten connections. His body may have spontaneously combusted in his coffin. He may have just died of poor health after repeated bouts of malaria. A fractured femur might have led to blood poisoning. Even as of this writing, some historians dispute the DNA findings. 
As history marches on, governments change and science improves. It seems like King's Hut's narrative will also change to fit the times. It seems that, as it was in his life, the boy King's narrative still isn't his own. Thank you for listening to I Am Not Making This Up. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, pretty much all the other directories now, so subscribe. We sound good in all the media players, even iPod, if you still have one of those. If you like what you hear, leave a review with your preferred podcast service. That's how other listeners find us. And if you'd like to meet me in person, I'll be at FinCon in Dallas, September 22nd through 24th. If you happen to be there, come by the Yard Dog Press table and say hi. I'll have books to sell and sign. And for more bizarre stories I didn't make up, and some that I did, go to my website, tracysmorris.com. I post something new every Monday. You can also subscribe to my newsletter and check out my short stories and novels there. And if you have an improbable history topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me an email at author at tracysmorris.com.